but this is a snow way of doing it. <laughs> right. It'll be all right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> good afternoon. Um, <laughs> Uh, my name's Simon, I'm one of the pastors here at Revelation Church. Uh, lovely to uh, be speaking to you this afternoon and welcome if you're visiting or if you're new here today. Um, last week we heard from uh, Dave Mance over there, a fantastic preach, uh, talking about how to prioritise mission in our lives. Um, and for those of you that aren't aware of the, the word mission, it's simply about talking, talking about Jesus and doing that more often and not, not it being just kind of an add-on to our day, but it being the priority of our day and the core of who we are. And um, I, I don't know about you, but I was certainly stirred by what Dave said. And there were some really helpful um, tips there in how to practically go about um, sharing Jesus in our lives. And, and today's going to be a bit more of the same. I'm going to be speaking a little bit around sharing Jesus and, uh, and how to do that and the, and the message that we've got to share, the good news of the message that we have to share. So, uh, to start off, uh, just, just before I start actually, I, I'm going to be speaking to obviously people in the church here around how to share Jesus and how to talk about him, but for those of you who are here today, maybe you're visiting or you've been brought along by a friend and maybe you're not a Christian or you don't know Jesus, I would like you to really understand why it is that we feel such a, a need to talk about Jesus. Not just how, but why. And, and for me it's very simple because meeting Jesus was and is the single most life-changing and important event of my life as uh, Dave, you know, I obviously planted Dave to pray that little prayer earlier. Uh, I didn't, I didn't. It's the Holy Spirit. You know, he was saying, you know, when you meet Jesus, that, that moment in your life is just... Is for all for the, all of you that know Jesus, it's just just remarkable, and um, I want us to be thinking back to that moment as well this afternoon as Dave prayed out. So that was that was really God just bringing through that prayer. Um, so Dave started off um, last week speaking from Matthew 28, which uh, for those of you who are familiar with that, it's the what's known as the Great uh, Commission. So I'm going to just read that for you. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, for me, I take great comfort in the fact that Jesus ended saying that he's going to be with us always. This was one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples right at the end of the book of Matthew, and uh, it kind of ending with, with a commission. And I know when I'm uh, at work and I'm teaching people about presenting, I always say to them, if you want someone to remember something, make sure you say it first and last, because the middle bit tends to be the bit where people forget. And so I, I kind of take this that, you know, is that one of the last things that Jesus said is something that's really important for us to take hold of. Um, but also that he may have realised that it's quite a daunting task, this commission, to go to all peoples and nations and to baptise them and to disciple them in the ways of Jesus and to tell them about him could be quite a daunting task. And so he's promising us there that he's going to remain with us and be with us. Um, and for me, that's, that's comforting and it's important because I know we do quite funny things when we're scared and it you know, doesn't always go to plan. Um, quite a number of years ago, before I came to London, I went, uh, spent a year in Australia and before I went, there were two things that I really wanted to do. One was to go skydiving, and two was to do a bungee jump. And uh, I did both of those things. Um, 
I haven't got a clue why I did that really, but uh, um, when I came to do the bungee jump, I found this place in a place uh, in the northernmost tip of Australia called uh, Cape Tribulation. I don't know if any of you have heard of it or been there, but it's in the middle of a rainforest, really, really dense rainforest, and um, they had a, set up a bungee jump place right in the middle there, so they literally just carved a little hole in amongst the trees and kind of uh, dug a pit, filled it with water, and there was this, I think it was 300 foot tower and or you just in amongst the rainforest and um me and my friend who I travel with decided that this was the place that we wanted to do our bungee jump and um and so we went there and, and you couldn't see anything because of the density of the forest first of all and um and then we suddenly got there to this little clearing and just looked up and there was this just this really high tower and um you had to walk up to the top so we walked up to the top and you know working our way up my heart just started beating so much i was thinking oh my goodness why why did i ever do this but i've not only said i'd do it but i've paid good money to do this i'd saved up to do this um anyway we worked our way up to the top and and from the top have you ever been in a situation where your heart is beating so fast you can't you can't hear anything and you're like just going a bit funny i was I was just really not knowing what to do, but I thought, I just can't go back, because I've, I've said I'm going to do it. My friend's here, all these people are here, and um, you know, I've been looking forward to this moment for ages. And um, I remember I got to the top, and just, you know, just watching people... Well, I, tr- I actually didn't watch people, because I just really couldn't cope with it. And um, I got to the top, and it was a quite quick process. Um, they kind of tied you up with a bungee cord, which is really just a glorified elastic band. When you see it right up close, it's, it's not very comforting, I have to say. And... Um, and they, so they, you kind of got to this board, it's only a small board, maybe a couple of metres square, had to stand on there where they tied me up, and then they just said, right, just stand on the edge with your toes, with your toes over the edge. <laughs> and um, so I did that, and I was just shaking like a jelly, like I just didn't know what I was doing. I, 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 had, I really had no idea. Anyway, all of a sudden, I just suddenly heard this big countdown. And I was, oh my... <laughs> they, everyone on the tower and at the top, everyone was just going, five, four, and I was like, what? I was like, what? what? What are they counting for? <laughs> anyway, it was for me to jump off. Anyway, five, four, three, two, one. And then suddenly, uh, uh, so I had my toes on the edge, and suddenly, <laughs> suddenly I blacked out. <laughs> and all I remember is just bouncing at the bottom. <laughs> totally have no recollection of the whole event. So... <laughs> So I'd worked up to this whole thing that I wanted to do, climbed up to the top, got myself ready for it, and I, I, honest to God, I cannot remember doing it at all. All I can remember is just like looking up at this tower, just bouncing. And if it weren't for the fact that I had a video of it, I wouldn't have believed that, done it. Um, so stepping out sometimes is quite difficult. And when we talk about stepping out this afternoon now, I promise you, you're not going to be left alone. I promise you, you won't black out. It's not that bad. We do terrible things. I remember when we... When, Last year, um, after New Day, um, PJ Smythe had been speaking, I believe, about sharing Jesus. And I remember Steph came back um, to one of our leaders' meetings afterwards. And, you know, it, it really affected him, PJ Smythe, sharing about Jesus. And he, I remember Steph saying, you know, this guy had so many stories about times when he'd shared Jesus at work and when he was jogging and meeting people socially. And he just said, you know, we've, we've all got to do that. We've got to have our own stories. It's no good to be recounting other people's stories. And, and we were kind of just stirring ourselves you know, in our, in our meeting, just praying for each other for boldness, much like we just did a minute ago, really, um, to, to have opportunities and to be able to pray. And um, I remember at the time that that week afterwards, I was travelling for work and I was at Heathrow Airport, like I seem to be most weeks. And um, anyway, 
I was at Heathrow Airport, just, just taking, you know, just walking around really, not doing much. And I spotted this guy walking just, like, quite a, f- a far away, but it was just, like, clearly hobbling, you know, got got problem with his leg or something. And you know that moment when you just think, I think God's speaking to me about this person. And, if, you know, you, well, I sometimes go, oh, no. You know, you know I think, and, I, and I know it's God, and I think, I know that means I've, I've, something's going to happen. I've got to do something, I know it. Anyway, so, but he was miles away, and he wandered off. Um, about half an hour later, I was just sitting back down on the chair, looking, waiting for my flight to be called. And, uh, of course, who comes and sits right next to me? Mr. Hobbly Leg. And um, <laughs> so he sat down next to me, and I thought... I've, I've got to say something, obviously, because I spotted him early, and I know Jesus said something, you know, to speak to him. I thought, I've got to do it. And I was looking up at the, at the um, flight board, and it was counting down, and I thought, right, I'm going to speak to him. So I plucked up the courage, and I said to him, excuse me, you, you might think this is really strange, but I'm a Christian, and um, I, I noticed you were hobbling along, and... Um, you know, I believe that. I love Jesus and I believe that he could heal you and I'd really love to be able to pray for you now. And um, so he just, he just looked at me and, and without him having to say a word, I knew in that moment he didn't speak a word of English. Oh. He hadn't got a clue what I was talking about oh. after I, you know, plucked up the courage to do it. But, uh, you know, I, I did feel, you know, the kind of the approval or the pleasing, pleasingness of God, you know, as I did it and, and stepping out. And... Um, and so today, I guess when we're talking about stepping out, I, I am comforted by the fact that Jesus said he's going to be with us as we're doing this. There's a great commission, and, and, you know, and it's quite daunting to think about that, that this, this is all-encompassing to everyone who counts themselves here as a Christian, that we've been entrusted with a message, and this message is something that we're not just entrusted with, but we're entrusted to, to give it out and to, to tell other people about it. And yet, Jesus promises that he's going to be with us, and, and with us as we're doing this. So, two things I kind of know when I think about sharing Jesus. One is that I know we need the Holy Spirit, definitely, because um, I know it's, it can be quite nerve-wracking sometimes, um, but Jesus promises to be with us. Two, I know that whatever, whatever we do, if we're declaring the name of Jesus, he'll use it. And even if sometimes we, we feel like we're you know, fumbling our way and not saying the words that we wish we'd wanted to say, and you know, I think if Jesus' name is declared, then he's going to use that and do something brilliant with it. And, and it's just about stepping out and believing that God can, can use whatever we can, whatever we can do. And equally, I know for my own life that in, if, if I'm to even kind of attempt this, and not, not, in my own, not in my own strength, it needs to be of God, and I need to be constantly making sure I'm filled with the Holy Spirit so that I'm giving out out of something that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm filled with God and, and it's kind of spilling out rather than me trying to do this in, in any kind of effort or striving way. I know that I've got to come to God and say, God, help me with this. I, I want to do it. Um, I want to be doing it out of compassion. I want to be doing it filled with your Spirit. And, um, you know, I want, to, I want to do it in your boldness. So that's some of the things I'm going to be talking about today. Um, I think being filled with the Spirit is important because we see in Acts, in the early church, and one of the greatest examples of the church growing where, where we see numbers being added is, is that right in Acts where the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the, the, the guys there were just so filled with God that they couldn't help but talk about Jesus. They, it, it was just kind of flowing out of them, you know, and, and uh, it very much reminds me of when I, when I first became a Christian, you know, at the moment. The moment when it, it all just clicks and you think, wow, and I've got to tell, I've got to tell everyone about this. And um, that's a little bit about what I want to encourage you to think about this morning. 
Dave last week as well, I'm going to pick up from a passage he read in Colossians where Paul is giving some instruction to the church, um, to believers, around sharing the gospel. Um, perfect for us, I hear you say. Yes. Um, so this is, Dave read it last week and I'll read it again through with you. Uh, Colossians 4, 2-6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So last week, um, Dave spoke to us quite a bit about being steadfast in prayer and making, um, making sharing Jesus a priority in our lives and not just an addition. He talked about um, looking for and praying for opportunities that we might be able to share Jesus wherever we are and whatever arena we find ourselves in. Dave talked about praying for those opportunities. Today I want to speak a little bit around the latter part of this passage here, where Paul is talking about making the message how we ought to speak, and also a bit around our walk, that it should be, um, we should be walking in wisdom and letting our words be seasoned with salt and, and full of grace. And so I'm going to be kind of picking up a little bit on where Dave left us last week with this passage. So, uh, firstly, making it clear, how are, we, how are we going to do that? I want to share just one way, I think, of um, sharing Jesus and making the story clear. Um, but one thing just to note first of all, it's, it's the mystery of Christ that Paul is encouraging us to make clear here. And um, again, you know, it's, it's lovely sometimes how when we're together the Holy Spirit just speaks, but we were singing about Jesus and how important it's the name of Jesus that makes a difference. And someone came up and prayed that even, didn't they? Someone, who was it? Someone's, come on, Smithy, that was your prayer as well. Yeah, double points today. Um, it's the name of Jesus that makes a difference. You know, and I know when I've been sharing with friends before, if I talk about church or I talk about God, sometimes they can quite readily have a conversation with me. But the moment that Jesus is mentioned is where, you know, the conversations change a little bit. Sometimes for the good, sometimes, you know, the name can also cause offence. But it's, the, it's important that when we think about sharing the message, that it's Jesus that's on our lips, because it's his name that saves, and it's his name that makes the difference. So don't be afraid to say the word Jesus and to use his name. So... One way I want to think about um, this afternoon in in helping to make the message clear is to have a story. Jesus was an incredible storyteller, and many times in the Bible we see him kind of sitting on a hill and people gathering to him, and people seem to love hearing Jesus. He would gather crowds of people, and they'd love to to, to listen to him. And often he'd speak in parables, which is around contextualising the message of the kingdom of God in a way that would... Um, mean, be meaningful to his audience in a way that they could relate to and understand. And I think for us, we have much the same kind of um, challenge, really, to think about. We've got the same message, but we need to be able to relate it in some way. And for me, as, as I was thinking about this, how, do I, how can I really make the message clear? Um, one way I know we can do that is just to remember our story, because the moment in my life that is, is, sticks out above all. The biggest story that I have is the moment when I met Jesus. And I know when I'm thinking about sharing Jesus, if I can remember those, that time, then it's probably the time that others are going to be able to relate to the most because it's the situation that I was in, you know, not too long ago. And I know for anyone here, if, if you don't know Jesus, and you, you know, even the, the phrase knowing Jesus, you know, I thought that was really odd when I first came to church. I thought, well, how, how can you know him? 
How, do you, how can you meet him? You know, for me, Jesus was, it was just kind of very uh, conceptual. And yet, I'm here today to tell you that he is very real and he is alive and you can meet him. And I did meet him and it transformed my life. But um, I remember my story. So I want to I share you a bit of my story and encourage you to really think about your story. You know, the psalmist um, David often has times in the psalms as you read through where he's looking back and thinking. You know, he says things like, you picked me up out of, the, uh, out of the pit, out of destruction, lifted me out of the miry clay and set my feet on a rock. And quite often he's doing this looking back and saying, look, look where I came from. I, re- I remember God. I was, I was here and you lifted me up and you restored me and you set me free. And you, you look at a lot of the songs that we sing and that's what it's a a lot about remembering where Jesus has taken us from and to and um, you know I think sometimes we can fall into the trap of just uh, uh, forgetting that you know forgetting the the joy of when we first met Jesus sometimes and especially if you've known Jesus for for a time it can be that it, it becomes a bit too familiar and ordinary for you and I think that's where the struggle can be then when you think about the commission think about sharing Jesus because for me I get immense joy when I think back to that moment when I first met Jesus um, for me it was at university so I met my wife <coughs> Natalie there you are there you are I should be able to spot her in the crowd shouldn't I uh, just there Natalie I, could, I just couldn't see you um, I met Natalie at university um, neither was um, a Christian at the time um, had various uh, experiences with uh, church, um, but at the point I'd come to university, I, you know, it was, it was the last thing on my mind. Um, and we had a friend on campus who was a real evangelist and quite a, an extravagant guy. And um, the, the way I met him was we used to, in our halls of residence, we used to have like a, a club night every Friday, and he would be the one who he'd be up then singing, you know, ABBA falsetto very noticeably. Uh, but then in between songs, he'd just go, Jesus loves you, you know, like in the, in the middle of it all. And it was all a bit, it was a bit brash, you know, and it was a bit jolty sometimes. But uh, we certainly knew he was the Christian in the room. And um, he would hound people to go to church. And, um, and I remember I agreed to him one night to go to church, and I, th- and I you know, just to get rid of him, really. And um, anyway, he woke the next morning, Saturday morning, he woke up banging on my door. And um, I thought, oh, no, I'd, I agreed to go to that church. And I, and, I, and I went along to this church, hated it, absolutely hated it. Um, I thought, right, I've done that now. It's the last time I'm going to go. We'll never go back again. Thank you. Um, I, th- I walked in and I just didn't. It, it, I just didn't understand it. The one thing that did stick in my mind is I, I kept seeing all these people worshipping, and I, I just kept looking. Just kept looking. Who are they doing that to? And I, I was thinking, where, where, where is he? Like I was just, I just couldn't get what, what, what is it they're directing? Their praise and their adoration towards. I, I didn't. I, I didn't get it. Anyway, this guy he kept kind of you know talked to me. Really, you know, he was really persistent in a good way. He kept asking me questions and and um, in the end, I kind of conceded. I said, look, I, I don't actually have a problem. I, I believe in God. I, I think I believe in Jesus. But to me, it was just a story. And I, I said, I don't. I don't really see how it can make a difference in my life. I, I just can't see it. You know, it's a story and I, I can believe it, but it doesn't make any difference. And he said, well, what, what is it that you, you need? What is it that, that would make the difference? And I said, well, I, I want to know that, that Jesus is a real person. Because I, 
just, you know, just telling me isn't enough for me. So he said, okay, well, you can meet him, you know. You, you can, I can introduce you to him. And I said, really? All right. And um, so he said, well, simple. We, we can just do it through prayer, which is just simply talking to God. And I said, okay, then. Um, so he came to pray for me. And I said, no, no, no. If God is real... You don't need to touch me. In fact, you have to sit the other side of the room, and I'm going to sit this side of the room. And um, if God is real, and you ask him to come and meet with me, then he's going to make himself known, and he doesn't need you to help him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, gosh, what a challenge, hey? And he, bless him, he was like, okay, let's pray. <laughs> so I remember that. We were in, we were in, my, in his um, hall room. He sat on one side of the room, I sat on the other. And I haven't got a clue, actually, what he prayed at the time. Um, but he prayed, you know, he prayed, prayed for God to come and meet me. But all I remember is at some moment, I was sitting on the windowsill of his room, just kind of like, oh, you know, not really paying any notice at all, really. And then at some point, I just felt what I now know to be the Holy Spirit just come upon me and just shook me to the core like a lightning bolt had just literally landed on me on the sitting on the windowsill and I hadn't got a clue what this was just started shaking and it didn't stop for about two hours and I couldn't I couldn't speak I spontaneously started speaking in tongues and I didn't even know what that was um and so for those of you here who, who don't know what that term is the bible tells us that when the holy spirit comes and you know fills someone with the holy spirit that one of the signs of that one one thing that the the way that the holy spirit manifests is by speaking in another language which is kind of your you know your spirit speaking to god and and i I ain't got a clue what that was but i just i was kind of just shaking on this windowsill suddenly speaking in tongues and I, i lost my ability to speak english for about three or four hours i could not converse with anyone at all and I was just lying on the bed shouting out people kept coming and knocking on the door and saying what on earth is going on in that room (laughs) but um, it was just incredible Like I challenged God to say show me that you are real and oh my goodness he showed me he was real I I could not deny it I had lots to understand from that point I had a lot to learn but one thing I did know is that God was very real and I met Jesus Like it was just incredible so I, I, t- I do tell people that story because they, they go, oh, wow. You know, I, I remember going home and telling my family, do you know what happens? And they were just like, oh. <laughs> like, they, they were really... <laughs> it was quite funny. <laughs> However, um, those of you here who, who have met Jesus and know Jesus can testify as well. That, uh, that was an incredible, for me, an incredible moment in my life. And there's been many since. But equally... I think part of the miracle and part of the, the story that I share with people is how it, how he changed my heart afterwards. Because whilst that was incredible to have this very real moment with Jesus, um, as a person, you know, my heart was completely changed. And I think that and that for me is a bigger miracle. I realised that before I met Jesus, I was whilst I was someone who loved to be around people, I was incredibly lonely, you know, and always seeking for approval and attention and intimacy and many many ways and uh, incredibly lonely and I suddenly I remember at some point I suddenly realized I'm not lonely anymore because I've got Jesus here and if I'm on my own I'm not on my own and it was really very real to me that I, I suddenly realized I've not I don't feel lonely and for as long as I could remember I did I remember for, as a kid just you know sitting in my room feeling really lonely and yet I come from a big family and lots of friends and 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 that just changed and loneliness you know in London is something that a lot of people can relate to 
And when I think about telling my story, loneliness, I think, is something that people pick up on because I go, you know, I, I felt that one day. But, you know, when I met Jesus, I, I no longer felt lonely. And if anyone here is, can relate to that, then I can tell you Jesus can take away that loneliness because he's someone who wants to be close to you. And through Jesus, you can be reconciled back to the Father, which is the other thing that really struck me. Um, I, I was searching around for a sense of identity and purpose. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing in my life. I don't know who I am. I, I really struggled to grasp it. And then um, when I suddenly realised that actually it's quite simple, I'm just made to love God... I was like, wow, that's, that was a revelation to me. I'm made to love God. Yeah. And, and that's actually about, that's the, main, that's the main reason for me being here, to love God and to display him to those around me. And I suddenly got it. I thought, I've met my maker. And, uh, every, you know, when things like click into place? And I suddenly thought, wow, I, I don't have to work out what I'm doing anymore. In fact, it doesn't matter what I do. What I've done about so many jobs. Those of you who know me, I've, I've, my career history has been very varied. But uh, no longer am I worried about my, you know, my identity worked out in what I do or, or how I work or the friends that I have. But my, my identity is that as a, as a son of God, as in relationship to him. And um, those two things, really, just knowing my identity as a son of God and... and, and knowing the intimacy of Jesus really are things that I, sometimes I, f- I forget and I move away from. And yet when I think back to that time, it stirs me up all over again and I get excited and I think, wow, Jesus, look what you did. Look how you transformed my heart. And that for me is the bigger miracle. Changing someone's heart is amazing. You know, shaking on the windowsill was pretty good, but transforming my heart was unbelievable. And so when you think about sharing your story... I think it's key to think, to think about that. For yourself, think about when you met Jesus. But for me, those two things you know, around loneliness and, and, and wanting a sense of identity, they are big issues in our culture right now. And there's probably not a conversation that goes by in any day where people will be um, articulating or expressing that in some shape or form. And it's kind of looking out for those opportunities. For, there's probably people here who don't have the shaking on the windowsill kind of testimony. I mean, it's not, not always that normal. Nothing in my life is. But, um, you know, for, like for Natalie, for example, hers was much more over kind of a you know, period of months, years, getting to know Jesus and understanding it. And, you know, the, gradually there's a point of realisation. There may also be people here who've been brought up potentially in a, you know, in a Christian family. And so there's, you know, never maybe a... a a particular point um, and yet but yet for all of you think back to a time when you just you know you fundamentally got it where it moved from being like just theology to something that that you know hits your heart and everyone who knows Jesus will have those moments in fact there's probably loads of them you know not just the one that from when you first met him but there's lots of moments and I encourage you to really think about that you know as the psalmist does remember yes you lifted me up out of the miry clay. You, you transform my life out of the pit and set my feet on a rock. And, you know, there's a lot that people can relate to in that story. <laughs> a lot. And so when we think about making your uh, story clear, think, think about f- what that is for you. And for those of you, if any of you are here today and you think, wow, something I feel that way, then I can tell you that Jesus can do that. He wants to write a story for you too. In fact, for everyone sitting here, there's a story. Yeah whether you know it or not. And, um, you know, we'd love to invite you to, to meet with Jesus so that he can start writing a story for you. Second thing Paul talks a bit about is the way that we live our lives. Um, walking in wisdom towards outsiders and um, making sure that we're, we're kind of 
let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt. So I want to just mention a few things around that. Um, walking in wisdom, uh, Paul's referring here in terms of outside, is referring to those who are outside of the church. So he's speaking here to believers, talking to them about sharing the gospel. And so he's saying when you are walking, um, when, you're, you know, when, when you're with outsiders, when you're in the world, walk with wisdom. So a couple of things on that. As a church, you know, those of you that are family meeting, we expressed a lot about what we feel is the vision of the church. You know, we want to be reaching out to those communities around us, whether that's through the gospel communities, whether that's through your workplaces or your schools. Um, and so there's something here in... Don't wear them at all. I'm healed. Right. Um, sorry, no, that, I didn't want that to be at all. Um, sorry. <laughs> you know what I meant. Okay. Um, something here about uh, walking in grace, I think. Um, you know, that, that's why I think remembering your story is really important. Because remembering where you came from, suddenly, suddenly I think, actually, I can probably relate to a whole lot of people who are probably a bit lost and lonely and struggling for identity. And uh, there's something of just being gracious when we are, you know, when we're on mission, when we're wanting to talk to people about Jesus. And in your GCs, for example, thinking about how is it that we can relate to these people, you know, because we, we probably come from quite different places, you know, uh, maybe a very privileged position and you're trying to reach out to those who are in a, a very different situation. You know, I, um, myself and Natalie, we um, are in the food bank GC and often I think, wow, wildly different in terms of our lives. And yet there's something in the story of the gospel that can bring some commonality. And I know that there's things in their lives that if I pick up on that I can say, well, Jesus can help you there because he helped me. And Jesus can transform that because he did for me. Um, and so we want to be thinking about understanding people, being able to understand where people come from. Um, you're probably familiar with this passage when Paul is talking a little about being all things to all people. I'm just going to read it in 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, he said this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. For I do it for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. And I think it's important not to get too disjointed from those that, you know, that we're trying to reach out to and, and to think, well, how can we demonstrate understanding? So I know, for example, in some GCs that they're really thinking, well, how can we come alongside the community rather than, you know, we're going to parachute ourselves in? How can we come alongside and show some understanding? So I know in Queen's Crescent, for example, they've joined the uh, community associations. So they can get alongside and work with those, you know, what's already in existence. I know on some of the other estates, you know, it's getting alongside those and trying to demonstrate understanding with them. PJ Smythe, uh, some of you may know him, I mentioned he spoke at the uh, New Day conference last year, um, said this about the passage I just read out from 1 Corinthians 9. Having been established once and for all in all scripture, our message is unchanging. It's not up for adjustment, but our culture is changing. Therefore, the communication of our message needs to be contextualised to different cultures, but never compromised. We could, sum, we could summarise that the Bible determines what our message is. Culture determines how we present that message. Jesus was the master and model of contextualisation. God became man and incarnated the gospel into a specific culture. Jesus was crystal clear that he is sending us on a mission into the world, but that we should always remain, remain not of the world. 
Paul lived this out by embracing the culture with his head, but not his heart. He remained separate, yet amongst. Separation from the world means keeping your heart disengaged to worldly things, but your heart engaged to worldly people. Paul sets a great example of being in the world, but not of the world, of simultaneously avoiding compromise whilst being winsome, engaging and avoiding any vibe of elitism. So walk with wisdom. This <laughs> is a duck in the room. <laughs> it is my son, so I'll allow it for now. Um, let your, spe- let your uh, speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how, or how you ought to answer each person. So whilst we are to be graceful towards others, uh, Paul's very clear here that we are not supposed to be the same. Um, in Matthew 5, Jesus always li- also likens us to salt, being the salt of the earth. He says, but you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Um, a while back last year we did a sermon series on the Beatitudes um, some of you may have remembered we mentioned, I think Steph may have talked a little bit around the, the analogy of salt um, for, for those of you that don't remember salt um, in the times when Paul's talking about was used as a um, kind of a preservative because they didn't have refrigerators and so um, when they had meat, raw meat, salt would be rubbed into the meat to preserve it because it would pr- prolong the time um, that it kind of started going off basically and was using a preservative um, salt is also at the time it was it was very valuable it was even used instead of money sometimes to to pay for things the word salary actually comes from the, the root of the word salt um, because it was used in exchange for for, for doing work essentially and um, and so what Jesus and Paul are kind of getting at is that we are supposed to be the salt of the earth in that um, by speaking Jesus by speaking words of life we're kind of prolonging the decay of of the effect of sin and by speaking life into situations you can turn around what is something that's corrupt and actually bring life and you know salt is supposed to be something that's very different and recognizable um and I guess the question is for us if you know someone to look at at your life and how you go about your life and when you're with your friends and when you're at uni or whatever or work do they say there's something different about that person? Is there, is there something salty about you? Do they look on and say, well, there's, there's something different, there's something, you know, maybe appealing about you? Um, you know, maybe, for example, you're not the person that just walks past the homeless person but you, without a glance, you know, but you stop and you think, well, I'm going to show love to this person, I'm going to je- demonstrate Jesus' compassion. It may be that you don't partake in the office gossip, but that you know you, you recognize that words are powerful and that you're going to use your words to build up people. Um, it may be that you don't have one too many drinks after work with the office, but you know you remain sober minded and, and look for opportunities as we were told last week. Um, it may be that you don't get really stressed and anxious under under life's pressures. Um, and you demonstrate that we can lean into Jesus, and that those around you think, wow, how is this person managing to, to keep so calm? And there's something noticeable about you, and that's what you know, Paul is talking about. We can communicate through our message, through our stories, but we also communicate by how we live our lives. People pay me a lot of money to tell them that, I'm a, as a communications consultant. Um, 
And so we have to think about, you know, uh, not only looking for opportunities to talk about Jesus, but also demonstrating in the way we love our lives. You know, uh, this world needs a lot of salty people, it certainly does. Um, A couple of examples. So uh, last year, whilst I was travelling, I was in um, Chicago for a bit, and um, I was really struck by the number of people on the streets in Chicago. And the the US has, you know, suffered terribly through through the, the housing kind of crisis um, a lot of people rendered homeless and I came across this I was, I was going out for dinner one night after work and um, I came out of the restaurant and this I, I just saw this guy across, across the road who clearly was you know being on the streets he, he wasn't sitting on the floor he was just standing up but he was just walking along crying and I thought I, c- I can't just walk by I can't he's clearly upset about something so I went up to him and said excuse me my name's Simon you know I can see that you're upset I'm a Christian and, you know, I believe Jesus loves you. I'd love to just be able to talk with you. And anyway, he told me his name and we chatted for a while. And it turned out he'd been um, homeless for a couple of years. He got a family, got a newborn baby. And um, because they hadn't got enough food, his wife had stopped producing milk and she was breastfeeding. And he was just, he was just desperate. He was just like, I I don't know what to, you know, don't know what to do. And and, um, so anyway, I I took him to a late night um, shop and we got some powdered milk, you know, baby milk, and we chatted. And um, you know, really, he, he was actually a believer. You know, and it was good because he just he just needed some encouragement and to, someone to pray with and someone to just show him some love. And um, when we finished chatting, um, he just said to me, "Thank you. I've been on the street for two years, and you're the first person that's ever asked my name." And you just think, "Wow, Jesus." You, we need, we need Jesus to tell you, and um, and then and then he kind of went, he went on his way. I mean, like I don't know, as far as from I am, from where I am to the door down there, and he suddenly screams. He's going, yes, it's like screaming really loudly, and I was like, oh my goodness, what's happened? And anyway, I'd given him uh, in Chicago, right? They have, have you ever had? Um, deep pan pizza and well in Chicago their deep pan is something else Um, (laughs) it's like a quiche it's like really (laughs) thick filled I mean I've got a healthy appetite I could only eat half of this pizza it's like cake basically it's like a cake a pizza cake anyway so I had half of my pizza left in this box and in our conversation I'd given him this and he didn't know what it was anyway it got you know, 100 metres down the road, and he was screaming. I said, I was like, what, what? And he was like, it's Deep Pan! <laughs> <laughs> my favourite! So, he was so excited. But, um, you know, there's times like that when I think, when, when I've stepped out and either looked for opportunities to talk about Jesus or show his mercy to people, and, and, and you meet people like that, and you think, wow, Jesus, if, you know... If, you just see his heart, you know, and you just think we, he needs us. Does the world need salt? And you know, if if you show a bit of willing, then it, gosh, to show his love is incredible. Another story. This is a bit closer to home in Kentish Town. So. Um, a month or so back, I was in uh, Iceland in Kentish Town, just paying for some shopping for getting some stuff for food bank actually. And I turned around, and the woman behind me, you know, next in the queue was this little old lady, really frail old thing, you know, and she got like a meatloaf, one tin, and you know, just really like hardly anything on there. And she was like going through a purse with coins, you know. And I, I just turned to her, my heart, you know, I just felt Jesus' compassion. I just said. 
I said to her, do you mind if I pay for your shopping? I'm a Christian. I really believe God just wants to show you that he loves you. And, and um, you know, can I get that? And she just, she just did not, she just like looked at me like this with her mouth open. And I said, so I just kind of put it in and paid for it and gave it to her. And, and, she, and um, again, she said a similar thing to the guy. She, I, I, said to, I told her about church and I just said, you know, like, I believe Jesus loves you and just wants you to know that and just, you know, hope this demonstrates that in some way. And um, anyway, she just looked at me and she said, no one has spoken to me in years. And she said, I don't mind about the shopping, that's nice, but that's the first time anyone's spoken to me in years. And I just thought, wow, Jesus, your heart is amazing. You know, it's not, I'm not taking, I don't want to, I'm not taking any credit for that. I just, I just know it's Jesus's heart. You know, if we, if we just look out for these opportunities, wherever we are, Jesus is just longing just to like shower a bit of love on people and to express his compassion towards people. And so, you know, being the salt and the light is a huge privilege. It's a huge privilege. You know, we look at it as sometimes a daunting task, thinking I've got to, I've got to be able to talk about Jesus. Yes, you know, and we, we've got the Holy Spirit for that. Like in 2 Timothy, you know, prayer is... Uh, Paul kind of is encouraging Timothy and he says, um, you know, stir up the, the gift that's been deposited in you through the laying of the hands, meaning the Holy Spirit, because we haven't got a spirit of, 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 of fear, but of power, love and sound mind. And we need that, you know, in those moments, I'm still praying, God, give me boldness, you know. But, but then when you see people like the little old lady in Iceland, in, you know, and the, and the man with his deep pan pizza, you just, I, I come away feeling so blessed because I think, wow, Jesus, your heart is amazing. You knew that person right over there who was nobody and yet you wanted to tell them that they were something and that you love them and um, you know and so being salty is, is a huge privilege and um, so I want, I want you to look out for those opportunities. I'm going to end um, <laughs> these were the slides that I made that um, I didn't use at all. Go, right there we go last one <laughs> um, so we started last week with Matthew 28 um, Jesus' commission I'll read again Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is um, God's priority that, you know, he wants to, to make himself known. Ultimately, God is in a business of reconciling children back to himself. And we have the incredible privilege of being involved in that. That's what he's all about, calling sons and daughters back to himself through Jesus Christ. Um, and so whether you're going away, going, going, you know, of which I know there's many in this church who have a feel a call for that, or whether you're just going to Iceland, um, look for those opportunities to be salt and light. Look for opportunities to show graciousness in your words. Look for opportunities to share about Jesus and, and, and speak the name of Jesus on your lips. Because he did lift you up out of the miry clay. He did set your feet on a rock. Don't forget that, because it's an incredible message that you have to give. Um, last night I was watching um, one of the BBC Africa documentaries and um, there's this little bit right at the beginning that just really spoke to me about this passage and it was going, there was this, it showed this uh, rock python, I don't know if you saw that but it was said the female rock python Looks, she, it was the rainforest one, so it, she was kind of going through the rainforest, all this darkness, until there was this tiny bit of patch of light, and it kind of curled itself up just to catch all the light. And it said the female rock python seeks out um, the sun, seeks out the sun, and, and just absorbs the warmth of the sun until the point where she's warm enough. She quickly scurries off and then wraps herself around the eggs and kind of emits the heat of the sun back into the eggs to incubate them. And um, 
There's, a mean, there's something to this, believe me. And, but I just thought, wow, that's great. That's what a great picture. We bask in the warmth of the sun, absorbing, you know, the goodness and glory of Jesus. And then, next, what do we have to do? Well, we have to go and <laughs> find, some, find someone to just like, that, that can absorb some of the goodness and to share it and to, you know, to incubate them into life. You know, it's an incredible picture, really, of the rock python. But um, I just thought, well, that's, that's part of, you know, that's the commission. To, you know, we, it's wonderful, you know, we're created to love God, and that's brilliant. Um, and secondly, love people as well. Love them, prefer them above yourselves. Love God with all your heart, soul, body and mind. And second command is like it also, love your neighbours. And so that is our commission. I'm going to um, hand over to Dave briefly now to, to kind of wrap this up. Uh, why don't we stand, actually? Why don't the band come up? I just, uh, I really wanted an opportunity. Uh, I asked Simon if I could do this. I'd, Simon spoke already quite a lot about, and Dave as well, about when when he met God, when he met Jesus for the first time, and that being the most uh, most amazing, life-changing moment for him. And we just want to give you the opportunity today to experience that. We want to give you the chance that those of you uh, who are here who you might not be a Christian, uh, you might not even be sure whether you're a Christian or not, and uh, you can experience that amazing, uh, life-changing moment today. That is your, your invitation. And uh, here's the message. Here is the message that God wants you to hear today. That you have a Father in heaven who loves you. He, he, is, he, is, he loves you more than you could even imagine. And more than you would dare to believe. And at the moment you are estranged from him. If you've ever, uh, if, if, if you're a parent, you might know what that feels like when you're when you're separated from your child and 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 the longing that you feel. But actually, you've been estranged from him all your life. The Bible says because of your sin, because of the wrong that you've chosen, and God is desiring, desperately desiring to know you. He wants to know you. He wants to be uh, back in in relationship with you. He wants to be reconciled with you. And the Bible says that he's so much long for that, that he made a way through Jesus.